0: Now, the podcast celebrating a variously compiled world of pop. In each episode, a variety of fabulous guests and I explore favourite compilation albums, as well as considering how these collections shaped pop culture and now fondly stand as time captures for our own musical and life milestones. I hope that you will enjoy the pop memories in this episode. Please follow the show through your favourite podcast provider and join in with me, Ian, on the Pop Rambler Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. Joining me today is Lee Thompson. Lee started off as a mobile DJ in his teens before moving into Radio Topshop in the northeast of England at the end of the 80s. He then began working in commercial radio in the 90s in Mid Wales, Shropshire, Yorkshire and his native Newcastle before becoming head of music at Viking FM. Lee moved down to London 20 years ago to become head of music at the Box TV music channel before spending seven years at BT Vision, running their on-demand music service. Since then, Lee has worked in radio as a freelance producer. for the past two years has been producing sounds of the 70s for johnny walker at radio two he's also currently curating mark goodyear's weekly chart show which can be heard every sunday across the greatest hits radio network and if all that wasn't enough lee is also part of the team that runs the now 70s 80s and 90s tv music channels that we so love lee welcome back to now hello how are you (laughs) i am absolutely fine First of all, let me wish you a happy new year.
1: Indeed, yes, God, here we are, 2022. So this is this is now's, what, 39th year? My goodness. Nearly nearly, nearly 40th anniversary next it's year. It's
0: unbelievable. This is when they said we'd have jetpacks, didn't it? And
1: hoverboards. <laughs> <laughs> and <Another laughs> yeah, we'd all be living on Mars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the podcast. Thank uh, you.
1: Thank <laughs> you for having me. It's, it's it's great. I mean, it's it's been good fun here in... Some of my other uh, kind of workmates and colleagues and things over the last few months, Johnny K, Johnny California and uh, David Monero and stuff. Always good fun listening to them, actually, just to kind of get a handle on where they were in their lives and and what sort of music they were into and stuff, too. So, yeah, always enjoy it. My earliest music memory, it's so funny. I I attended a a family funeral up in Newcastle uh, just before Christmas, and uh, one of the people that was there was my Aunt Lynn, and uh, Auntie Lynn, uh, who's kind of only about 11, 12 years older than me, but she used to babysit for me uh, when I was sort of three, four years old. I remember her, and, and funnily enough, she asked my wife at the funeral, she said, ask him what his first musical memory was, and it was her taking me to see the Aristocats. Uh, In 1970, so I was four years old then, at uh, the cinema in Gateshead, and she then bought me the soundtrack album afterwards, which was in this beautiful kind of gatefold sleeve with all the, uh, the words and the songs and everything inside, all that kind of thing. But I also remember as well on a Saturday night uh, she used to uh, Have a Saturday job In a hairdressers And her friend Maureen and her Used to uh, play On my grand's Old radiogram <laughs> Round in the front room They used to stack up The seven inch singles So we're talking about You know Kind of maybe 10 12 Stacked on top of each other It would be all Kind of classic Motown It would be things like Frida Payne's Band of Gold in there as well I was hearing a lot of the stuff That uh, you know Kind of sort of From the mid to late 60s onwards It was Lynn Really my auntie Lynn Who absolutely Kind of got me into music And then I was given a, a box of old singles uh, which had things like Apache, By The Shadows, M.L. Ford and The Checkmates. Wow. Uh, what do you want to make those eyes at me for? All that kind of stuff. And that just became, oh, this is this is, this is is my record collection. I remember individually writing a number on, on the, the kind of spindle in the middle. So I had number one through to number 50. I had 50 singles. And um, that was it. That was, that was the start of my kind of sort of record collecting and, and getting into music. And then kind of flash forward to my ninth birthday, I think, think it was uh, about 75 i remember getting a ronco compilation Dance, sing or anything Starting off with One it in the Faces You Can Make Me Dance Sing or anything Which a brilliant record Still to this day Ten songs per side I seem to remember Over at Wigan's Chosen Few Footsie was on there as well Big old Northern Soul song But yeah I was always kind of like Singles and compilations I was never really A big sort of album person It was always about hits What was in the chart And being interested in this You know The, the top 30 Then the top 40 As it became You know, My dad got a, a cassette player Must have been I must have been about 10 So we're talking about 1976 And a friend of his had made a compilation of the hits of 1976 Mm. on this tape. And I just remember playing that over and over and over again. So that was my first, I remember really first being aware of the top 30 and what was in it and knowing all the songs in it in about 1976. So, um, it's kind of it's helped enormously, obviously, doing Johnny's program because my my knowledge <laughs> of seventies music is is I think I, I surprised Johnny some weeks when we were putting the show together that I know so many songs that kind of he thinks how do you know these songs? It's kind of like well I grew up listening to them, you know, and and just being aware of them all the time. So um so yeah, it's always uh, it's always been there since Lynn introduced me to um you know kind of sort of music when I was four years old, really. To be honest with you.
0: Do you find yourself now, I'm, I'm just interested, you know, uh, you're talking about the signs of the 70s show. Do you find yourself when you're sequencing tracks, visualising them as singles, visualising them as compilation tracks?
1: Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah. And Johnny obviously he picks what he wants to play on that show. I'll give him a kind of list of songs and say, you know, we haven't, we haven't played this for a year or we haven't played this at all on a program, or you know, but Johnny's the guy who absolutely decides, you know, the shape and the sound of that program. His musical tastes are very, very much, you know, he loves his kind of sort of 70s West Coast, you know, your Eagles and your uh, you know, your, your Lowell Canyon kind of kind of people and that country sort of folk rock. Me, I'm very much coming from the stuff that Lynn was bringing me up on, really. So they're a great 70s pop. You know, I love my glam, classic uh, soul, and disco. He left the UK in sort of 76. He was at Radio One uh, right up until then, and he, he had a, a a famous kind of dispute. Uh, falling out with the management because they wanted him to kind of, you know, play more Bay City Rollers and all that kind of thing that was in the chart at the time. So he went. well, I've had enough of this, I'm going off to America. (laughs) So basically, it's funny talking with Johnny and and his musical knowledge of what was in the UK chart from kind of sort of mid-76 through to the end of the decade, he doesn't really know a lot of those big radio hits. Mm. So I'm able to bring that to the table as well, you know, and, uh, and, and throw in some of those pop and the dance and the reggae and the punk and everything else. I mean, it's such a Vibrant decade The 70s You you were touching on Compilations there Did you ever um, Buy any of the uh, Compilations That weren't The original artists
0: Oh yeah Yeah
1: God Who who was it Was it uh, The Hallmark Or MFP Or one of the One of the labels uh, That were putting out You know Boshing these things out And I remember One in about 1974 and Alvin Stardust's Red Dress was on there as well which wasn't one of his big hits but it wasn't a top 10 single and I just remember playing that and something my ears suddenly woke up to the fact that hang on that's not the original yeah. version that's actually kind of nothing to do with the version that's in the chart at that point the, the, the cheap supermarket compilations used to be allowed in the chart um, with some semi-clad woman on the front playing yeah. croquet or whatever you know <laughs> and um, that was the number one album it kind of you know it beat Hunky Dory or it beat you know kind of um, Jolie. Mitchell's Blue or whatever or Carole King's Tapestry the number one album was this dodgy cover versions album so I guess uh, you know compilations have always been always been part of my life really
0: So what about Now then itself when did When did Now come into your life? First one uh,
1: First one '83, yeah double album you know, saw the TV ad for it. Got to have this. This is great. Bear in mind that kind of sort of leading up to that, you had uh, Raiders of the Pop Charts is obviously the sort mm. of famous one that came out Christmas '82. Typical album at that co- at that point, a vinyl album would cost you sort of four ninety nine. Uh, they were putting it out for five ninety nine, but you'd get. Another album with it So it's kind of like I'm getting 30 tracks here For six quid This is fantastic And of course Raiders of the Pop Charts Had brilliant sort of TV ad Behind it and stuff as well Then as you get Kind of into 83 You've got more of these things You've got one thing called Hitline mm. um, That Roncos shove out there's a, there's a K-Tel Couple of ones That come out as well At that point So yeah So this was great isn't know like six or seven songs On the side yeah. um, So the sound quality Wasn't you know Wasn't uh, compromised and um, yeah, the first Now album, is, is still a, it's still a peach of an album, isn't it? Because it was a, effectively a roundup of 1983. You've got all the best yeah. songs on there. Uh, yeah. And people still think of that, you know, when they, when they think about 1983 being a brilliant year in music it's because they think back to that now track listing yeah. that's on there. There's, there's, there's not a duff song on there, really, to be honest, is there?
0: My entry was Chart Hits 81, uh, the k Yeah, which that's, that's which, another one. Peter which, Powell
1: advertised that. Yeah, didn't yeah, I remember which, that TV commercial, and that was, uh, was k Tell.
0: And um, I always remember that line at the bottom of the back of the... Well, it was the cassette I had at that time that said, uh, to improve the quality of your listening experience, some of these tracks have been edited.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Now no,
1: to squeeze them all, in squeeze detail, them all in. Forgot,
0: yeah, but even now looking back, that didn't impress me. No, <laughs> I was like, I'm getting less of the tracks here.
1: I can totally sympathise with you being <laughs> very unimpressed as a kid. Going, why have they edited this? Why? Why can they not give me the original single version? You know,
0: it's that ability that I think we've got as pop fans and as crate diggers to spot these things because yeah. you know, um are like members of my family. I don't know their names, right? <laughs> I'll see them. If, <laughs> I'll see them. Think. Like, I'd Yeah, but. If I heard the wrong version of, for example, The Living Daylights by Aha on the radio, I'd be like, Well, no, hang on, that's not the seven inch version you need for that. That you know, I don't know what it is. We somehow have this inbuilt
1: ability. (laughs) No, it's, it's true. I think it's because, you know, I've worked in radio for years and years and years, so you know the correct versions. It's it's so bloody nerdy. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> it is, yeah, it There's is. a lot of us around, let's be honest too. <laughs> <laughs> us collectors and us, us, us people that sort of you know, care about that sort of stuff, That you do still see it's kind of like, oh, why is that version, you know, still not available? Somebody I saw just a few days ago sent me a note about... Um, uh, Adam and the Ants Adam music that the version that was the seven inch single has never appeared anywhere on a compilation. It's always really? slightly yeah, it's always slightly longer um, than the. It's about fifteen or twenty seconds longer. And then there was a version that turned up on the now that's what I call smash hits uh, mm. compilation in nineteen eighty seven. Yep. It's actually got an ending. It's four minutes and seventeen and it actually ends. And apparently when Marco Peroni from Adam and the Ants was doing the remastering on that album, uh, Kings of the Wild Frontier, a few years ago, they couldn't even find that album. So nobody knows where it came from. Nobody has a clue where Um, it comes from.
0: It's it's like the nerds have taken over. The the pop stars don't even
1: know anymore. I I, (laughs) I was doing some work for quite a few years with Michael Ball, uh, working on uh, kind of his Sunday morning programme. Michael's an absolute darling, he's a treasure. But uh, we were talking about Now albums one time and um, he's got uh, Love Changes Everything, on the end of Now 14, I think it is. Uh, and he says to me, he said to me one time, he said, You know, they've used the wrong version. <laughs> and I said, Yeah, the version that's on there is it, on the single, you know, it goes, Love will never, never be the same. Again, because my high note. Yeah. The version that's on Now 14, it goes, Love will never, never be the same. Again. Good. Oh my he goodness! Has no clue where that came from. <laughs> it's like some sort of early demo or something, you know. <laughs> um, but yes, that's uh, that's absolutely true. So if you dig out. you now fourteen. Now, um, last track on disc two, "Love Changes Everything." Not the single version. It's uh, completely, completely wrong. But uh, I mean, I can imagine that you know when they're putting these things together, and they will be you know uh, back in the days before WAVs, and back in the days before you know kind of MP3s and and and, and memory sticks going backwards and forwards, mm. and there'll be master tapes, you know, that'll be getting biked by courier probably yeah. to Ashley Abraham at uh, now <laughs> HQ, and uh, you know trying to sort out. Okay, well we have got we got to put this on the compilation. Uh, is that the right version? Blah blah blah. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's I mean I, I can't even imagine how we used to. You know, he used to put those things together in the old days But his sequencing was always brilliant As it is on the um, yeah. album that we're going to talk about Yeah.
0: So let's head back then to the summer of 1996
1: It's now 34 42 hot new hits with the number one from Spice Girls And Peter Andre The Blue Tones, George Michael and Dodgy now 34 with OMC and Sway. Ocean colour scene and the brand new Smash from Robbie Williams. Oasis, Paul Weller, and Gina G. Now34. That's what I call music. I think Now34. It's it's brilliant. I'll tell you what's so good about it. Aside from one song that we'll talk about kind of halfway through <laughs> uh, this one in a minute, every single song on there is a top 15 hit. I remember having a conversation with uh, Ashley Abraham, who was putting these things together a few years ago. Um, I got to know Ashley through through Mark Goodyear. Mm. <laughs> Name dropped bang. <laughs> um, basically, I got invited onto uh, Nordoff Robbins, the, the music therapy charity, do this uh, brilliant music quiz every year. And I got invited uh, when I started working at the box in, in um, 2001, 2002. I got invited onto Mark's team, and they won kind of like every year for a, a couple of years. And then the year before they invited me, they came second. Ooh. So somewhere, somebody along the line introduced me and Mark, and Mark and I just got on like a house on fire, and uh, subsequently he had me on his team every single year, and we won for about the next eight years continuously, <laughs> but Ashley was on the team. And Ashley, prior to us kind of doing the quiz that, that evening, we'd always have like an hour in the bar beforehand, and he'd tell me loads and loads of great stories. His thing at the time was, it can't go on an hour unless it's a top 20 hit, it's mm. got to be... A proper bona fide hit The biggest songs From the biggest bands And the biggest acts At that point in time And it's very interesting That now 34 The week that it came out In in August 96 Have a look at the top 20 From that week In August 1996 Almost everything That's on that album is yeah. represented in that top 20 on the week that it came out. It's anticipating what the big songs are going to be and making sure that they absolutely have them on there yeah. at the exact point of release. I mean that yeah. was that, that's an art that's a that's a skill.
0: The big win for now is having the current number 1 yes. on that album when it's yeah. released,
1: which is absolutely what they've got on now which points. which
0: actually th- they've not only preempted it quite well but they've mm. actually got the number 1 that's number 1 for a considerable amount of time. After the release of correct,
1: and, and which ends up as the second second biggest selling song of the year as well, you know? which is perfect. So, um, but it's interesting. I know sometimes in these podcasts you always ask, you know, what did now miss? What did what was what wasn't on there? Yeah. Um, what wasn't on there uh, were predominantly Sony releases. Uh, one of those being "Killing Me Softly" by Fuji's, which had been the big song of the summer. Yeah, The other one, just prior to that, of course, was Three Lions, which, again, was a Sony track. Now, at that point in time, was Virgin and EMI with a little bit of Polygram kind of in there as well. And Mm. Ashley was basically tasked by EMI to make sure that you have everything that we've released in the last three months on that (laughs) album because this is our album why would you not want to put our songs on there
0: at that time mid 90s now we're absolutely ticking all the boxes across all the genres that needed to be spoken about and we're going to come to those as we kind of work through that's Um, the joy
1: of this album I think yeah you're absolutely right in this because it's not just the pop that you associate with now you've got obviously your your Brit pop was huge at this point in time and that's represented dance music's represented Uh, the big radio hits are represented as well it's all it's all there. It's a a brilliant time capsule. I know Bob Stanley always goes on about how important these now albums are as as time capsules in the same way that an episode of Top of the Pops from that month, Mm. you know, you want to see the good and the bad because it's a representative time capsule of of what people are watching and listening to. This hits the nail spot on really.
0: Time to meet our studio guests, five girls who for years were knocking on the doors of recording studios. They're heading for the big time. They're called Spice Girls Melanie
1: B. Melanie B. Melanie Brown. Okay. Hello, Mum. I'm Emma. That's Emma. <laughs> hi, I'm Victoria. Hello, I'm Victoria. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jerry. I'm Jerry. I want to say hi. hi, hi yeah, I'm Melanie C. And they all want to say hi to their mum. Hi, Mum. to
0: be my, lover. Be my lover. Let's go straight to Compact Disc One.
1: I mean, where do you start with this? Where I do have you begin? so many stories. <laughs> I had just started at uh, Viking in a hall which was a great little station. And um, I started there in kind of April that year. I was getting paid the most I've ever been paid in my life, which was about 15 grand (laughs) for doing um, the early breakfast show. So they had me on between five and seven. EMAP had just bought out all the Yorkshire radio stations. So they bought Hallam in Sheffield. They bought Air in Leeds. They had Viking. And Viking was a bit of a minnow, you know. It's kind of like not really sort kind of cared about it. So we were able to just get away with murder, really, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, we were getting like every visiting pop star Kind of would come into Viking, you know. Would literally rock up in a in a transit van, or they'd rock up in a in a you know four by four, or they'd rock up in a in a tour bus. We once had the we once had bloody NSYNC tour bus in the in the Viking car park on the marina in Hull. You know, it was Justin Timberlake in Viking. It was ex- extraordinary at the end of the nineties. Um, but anyway, the, these five sort of whirling dervishes piled into the studio one day, four or five weeks ahead of release. Basically, they were they were just uh You just thought, is anybody done any media training with these people because it's just an absolute mess they're talking over each other they're shouting blah 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 anyway the interview was done for the evening show uh, for Wannabe and one of our guys who I shall name because I've told this story many times he doesn't <laughs> mind he's a, he's a top bloke a guy called Steve Jordan who now works for uh, BBC in uh, in, the, in the Midlands so the girls are, they've done the interview girls are walking out the door they're in the car park and Steve turns to me and he goes well that's the last time we'll see those girls <laughs> And it's kind of like, yeah, because it's kind of like, is this really kind of what is going to be a hit? The extraordinary thing about that record, uh, and speaking to people from Virgin about a year afterwards, they said to me, you do realise that Wannabe was never expected to be the big song. It was always supposed to be just the breakthrough that established the girls. We think we get a top five hit out of it. It's a nice quirky little pop record, but we know that Say You'll Be There is going to be the number one and then yeah. we know we've got this big song at Christmas called To Become One that we yeah. think will properly establish them in people's minds. So when Wannabe took off like a rocket, it was, it was completely unexpected. Um, but they had no idea that this would be a, you know, a song that would chart straight in the top three and mm. go to number one the following week and stay there pretty much for the next two months. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. completely beyond what Virgin were ever expecting for this project.
0: But you know, I can remember seeing them probably on MTV at the time Thinking, this is nonsense
1: Oh, me too The thing about this is There was no kind of precedent for the Spice Girls Because if you think about who the biggest selling British female girl band were at that point Mm -hmm. Who was it? Was it Bananarama? No, it was Eternal so that was kind of like That was our benchmark For what a, a, a kind of Girl group should be You know yep. This was pure pop This yeah. was absolutely This was playground Nursery rhyme pop Like we'd never heard before Kind of you know So of course Somebody in their 20s And 30s <laughs> <It> <laughs> A wasn't, bit cynical about it yeah. It certainly
0: wasn't for me and But equally You know You look back now You know That kind of beauty of time As you look back and go Right There's the blueprint For the rest of the decade And Correct. beyond
1: Yeah I would argue For the last 25 years You know yeah. I mean, People still yeah. refer back To the Spice Girls And the interesting thing about the Spice Girls is, yeah, we were deeply cynical at the time, and we were, you know, thinking, this is this is throwaway, this is this is not going to last. The interesting thing about that is you now have your people like your Dua leapers and your Grace mm. from Clean Bandit, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of the kind of American stars that are in their sort of 20s will now tell you that they grew up listening to the Spice Girls and that whole girl power mm. thing that we were so cynical about at the time, <laughs> girl power, marketing message, really stuck. The little mixed girls will say the same kind of thing, you know. They, they were the blueprint for every um, successful, you know, dominant, uh, yeah. assertive kind of sort of female performer that then followed for the for the next couple of decades. There's, there's no question. More yeah. than 25 years ago, it's, just, it's astonishing. Really.
0: And, um, you know, you look at the chart facts, I mean, it's just astounding. So between July 96 through yeah. to November 2000, 10 single releases, 9 number ones, 1 yeah. number two.
1: The only one that stopped getting to number one was, was, stop. was stop. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but you know, chart facts like that, you just cannot argue with. Mm.
1: I think that you know that run of first three singles. In retrospect, one of these a brilliant pop song, of course. Yeah, oh, it is. Um, you know, so I, I would argue "Say you Be There is even better. And yep. I would argue that "You Two Become One" was their absolute creative peak. I mean, that is is an astonishing record on yeah. any yeah. level. It's just brilliantly produced, immaculately played, and a brilliant Christmas number one as well, of course.
0: Track two, we have um, Robbie Williams, who was obviously part of the biggest. Boy band Of the decade Take yeah. that So uh, nice synergy there From Ashley And the team However, Wanna this this
1: Wannabe was number one And Freedom had just Charted at number two And had just fallen uh, The week that the album Came out So it's still a top three hit so But it's yeah still- I mean it's God It's a, it's a workmanlike plod This is Oh it? <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm
0: going to just Put this right out there I mean I've written In my notes here False start Yeah <laughs> Okay <laughs>
1: Let's, let's not forget though This was actually A bigger chart hit Than Angels that, astonishing.
0: But you watch the video Back now It all looks a bit Dialed in Shall we say yeah. Oh completely And Robbie's perhaps Not looking at his best He's, he's, not. he's not He's
1: a little overweight Let's be honest Slightly you know, Hence you the know, reference You know the fat dancer From Take That
0: This is him Plodding around Glastonbury With the Gallicers, Period yeah. It's almost like I'm still here But I'm needing to go away And actually work with people <laughs> I need to get well, Guy was, Chambers in And we need to yeah, get this completely. sorted Yeah
1: he was. He was, he was in, I don't think he was In a good place actually Robbie at this point no. in time but he'd done that press conference and so you know I'd left Take That this is my I mean, if you think about it Freedom is actually kind of it's it's a it's a statement isn't it yeah. it's like you know I'm free from this boy band now because bear in mind Take That I'd only split officially a few months earlier the press conference wasn't oh, it, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. when they had How Deep Is Your Love was, was was the last single so you know it was all still pretty raw Um, who knew at this point that he would be <laughs> he's actually appeared as a solo artist on more Now albums than any other artist which is quite astonishing
0: If you take those First two tracks Right You wouldn't have Expected Wannabe To be the cornerstone Of pop for the next decade No And beyond You wouldn't have Expected Robbie Williams To be the biggest Now star Of the Body one
1: And you wouldn't Expect the third song On the album To be something That's actually Still quite uh, Looked upon As a great Pop record now As well (laughs) Here, it's a top three hit. Of course, when he went into the jungle a few years later and Chris Moyles got behind it, it went to number one, which is quite astonishing. But at this point, you know, a Mysterious Girl had been in the chart for three months. And no, was still in the top 20 at this point. So a huge record. It was a brilliant plugger at the time, a guy called Steve Tandy, who's still working. And he was the guy who managed to get Peter Andre into every commercial radio station in the UK for a chat. And of course, once Peter... Is there, and he's talking to people. He's a charmer. He's an absolute charmer. So of course you're going to then stick the, you know, you've got the song at number one, the top three on the box. You've got a great little pop song at the end of the day. What do you know? You've suddenly got a big hit song. And yeah, it was on the chart forever. It felt, didn't it? Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. And still works as well. Next up, dodgy, good enough, an really? ocean colour scene. David caught the Chain. We're starting to see the impact of Britpop here.
1: We are. We're starting uh, to see the impact of commercial Britpop. Commercial masters. Britpop. Interestingly, when you watch the TV commercial on YouTube, dodgy are in the TV commercial, yeah. uh, dancing <laughs> on the beach. So it was kind of, it's that juxtaposition between Peter Andre kind of like looking glamorous and, you know, kind of there in the waterfall and all that kind of thing, cutting to these three, frankly, middle-aged blokes sort of dancing on the beach. But it's yeah. a great pop song. Um, people love that record. I mean, that's yeah. and it still sounds great today. I'll tell you why it did so well. It did so well because radio had kind of, Embraced the Boo Radleys, uh, mm. wake up Boo, a kind of year earlier, and it's in that same sort of vibe, really, isn't
0: I know. it? So, Ocean Colour Scene next yeah. to that. Here's a band that has been knocking about for so long. They and have been, to, been waiting the and waiting. 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and, and they finally sort of hit pay uh, with the with the Mosley Shells album, which is mm. a great album. The Day we Caught the Train" It was a top five hit, a fantastic record. I mean, just a, uh, got that kind of sort of sixties sort of feel to it, but also kind of contemporary. I got to know the guys a, a little bit because they were always kind of in that a Viking just a great live band I mean fantastic live Simon lovely lovely bloke Steve Gray too and I mean just it's it's a fantastic record and I think the thing about that song is the reason why it still sounds so good is because it is kind of in a way timeless
0: yeah Right next up A couple of film links here Yes uh, So we've got the theme From Mission Impossible Which is Larry Mullen And Adam Clayton From U2 In my Guinness Singles book It's listed as Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Is there a McCartney-Lennon Lennon mccartney thing Going on there
1: uh, I, I don't know It's only Weirdly I've got it listed as, as, In two different ways as well Yeah so it's Larry Mullen And Adam Clayton On the um, on the CD sleeve from now But I've seen it listed elsewhere As Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen So yeah
0: Strange I, Strange uh, And then we've got Underworld and Born Slippy So so let's take those two together
1: Right Well let's start With, with, with the Mission Impossible thing mm. I mean it is it's, it's obviously The two guys from U2 mm. Doing the theme For Mission Impossible There's not much else To say about There's it There's
0: not much else to say <laughs> it, It's serviceable I think is the word More interestingly Let's go to Born Slippy Because this is An interesting track This is the second time Around for Born Slippy It had been knocking About the clubs For many many years To be honest what? However here 21 weeks on the chart For this Amazing. And obviously the, the big thing Is train spotting
1: Yes, of course. The interesting thing about "Born Slippy" was it was a really divisive song at radio. Mm. When, you at, when you looked at music testing, which was again what we always always did, we kind of we we used it as a very very good guide to tell us what to hang on to and what to get rid of. But we always used our gut as well, you know, because you, you can't just go on just music testing when you're putting a radio station together. You've got to think about kind of you know will that work? What's this? How does this feel for an audience and stuff? And that was an absolute 1996 song of the moment you know, people were to talk about What the big songs of that year were They'd talk about Three Lions Killing Me Softly by the Fugees Wannabe by the Spice Girls Born Slippy by Underworld That's 1996 there Brilliant, brilliant record An astonishing piece of music Still today, when I hear it occasionally Sort of played on Radio too, You just kind of go That's that's still quite out there Isn't it You know what I mean It's still got an edge In a lot
0: of ways It was very idiosyncratic I mean it's completely Iconic now If you think of that Summer 96 We'd had Euro 96 There was a real Positive vibe In the country And that exemplified that
1: I mean You play that song You know When I'm doing DJ At friends parties And things You put that song And as soon as the Dun 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 People just scream I mean people literally Scream and just lose Their shit Because it's one of Those kind of songs You're right it It was the whole Euro thing as you say, the euphoria that was going around, you know, and yeah. and, and if anything, the kind of the, the seeds of new labour and, and sort of, you know... Um the whole sort of cool Britannia thing Were being sown at that particular point in time
0: And actually that summer vibe thing Comes through pretty much the rest of CD1 here The calendar well, Think about
1: of... how people Yeah, think about how people were consuming these albums At that point yeah. in time. It'd be the CD in your car, wouldn't it? Or the cassette this, And this, this, is, would... this is exactly that This is the soundtrack to your car journey Heading yeah. off on the summer holidays
0: And you know, from track 8 now onwards mm. Is basically that <laughs> So we kick off here with GX, There's Nothing I Won't Do.
1: Brilliant record. I love it. I mean, it's, oh. a, it's a great song. They'd add, um, uh, what was it called? Son of a Gun was the other one, wasn't it? Son of a
0: was Gun was the other one. Often, particularly later on in the 90s, you got diminishing returns on these dance acts. Yeah. However, this is GX's third single and actually is probably their most iconic and most well-remembered track.
1: Yeah. It's weird. It's quite long as well. It's about four hours. Oh, yeah. yeah I, it's... I don't ever remember there being a radio editor. Either, no. Right?
0: Proper, proper value for money. Yeah. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Which is rare, because in a song like that you'd expect it to be, what, maybe three minutes tops So uh, yeah, yeah, it's a
0: great record Next to that is our Eurovision entry, Gina G Gina G, who are just a little bit, which
1: is quite astonishing Do you know that's the last number one record that we ever had at Eurovision?
0: Yeah, I mean it's sad, (laughs) it's it's really
1: sad, I do know that The amazing thing about Gina G is she had another, what, half a dozen top 10, top 20 hits? Which everyone forgets about
0: none of them. Um, is this a motivate production? Is this uh, it?
1: was, yes, it was, yeah, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. So,
0: so straight away, that was that big dance sound. And let's face it, it is a proper banging pop track in every sense of the world, yeah. It really again, is. I mean,
1: if you were to think back about the great British Eurovision entries over the last however many hundred years you want to talk <laughs> about, uh, it's it's one that sticks out as a great record, you know, only came eight. I know,
0: I know. which is and, again is
1: a, a astonishing, and um,
0: certainly a vast improvement on Love City Groove. I'm going to say,
1: <laughs> I quite like Love City Groove. I'm right, um,
0: sorry, but yeah.
1: it, and it, certainly it, an improvement on. Um, what, I mean, what what would kind of come afterwards, which is weird because you'd have we kind of, sort of went off the boil a little bit. I think as we kind of went into the 90s, but yeah, there were still huge records. Imani, where are you? Do you remember yeah, that?
0: That's right. Yeah, and
1: uh, Precious, it uh-huh. again, which was Jenny Frost was in that. Wasn't yeah, she?
0: that's right. Yeah, the kind of seeds um, of Atomic Kitten and stuff. But I yeah,
1: was- Gina, Gina. Is, is, I, is think, I would say One of the best ones Of the last 25 years Yeah And it
0: was almost this Let's abandon everything And just go for it With pure yeah. pop And it worked um, That's it. Can you Without
1: looking at your notes Can you remember oh, any yeah. Fresh was one of them I remember Do you know what
0: uh, I'm not even going to Pretend I know <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely none Neither do I <laughs> This is where we see In the podcast And she's still working On her new album Gina G <laughs>
1: Brilliant
0: uh, This is an interesting Britpop dance Crossover thing yeah. Blur Piano man Which again yeah. Had been knocking about White labels In the clubs For quite a while Big crossover hit Sampling girls and boys By mm. Blur It does everything
1: <laughs> Yeah 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 Well exactly what you've said there That's what it does It samples girls and boys By Blur it, It's a kind of like An Italo piano House yeah. version Of that was it a re-song or did they actually take Damon's original vocals? It sounds to me like it was the original vocal on
0: I, It had been a bootleg, first of all, knocking about. Somebody had obviously taken it to Food Records and said, are we going to license this? I would imagine at that point, Blur probably weren't for saying, yeah, just go for it, you know, <laughs> yeah, because we this, don't is, care. this is not going to impact on our lives one way or the other. No, um,
1: it was on FFRR, interestingly enough. So, um, so yeah, so that, that would be Pete, Tong was running Pete FFRR, Tongs running
0: that. Pete Tongs, yeah. Um, so we've then got Living Joy. And don't Another banger yeah. Absolute completely banger. different
1: vocalist To the person who sang on Dreamer I know I know
0: I was <laughs> <laughs> just I hadn't heard it for a while When I went back and listened to it So it stuck more than I thought it would <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's
0: a good record And again, I yeah. remember us playing it to death At Viking Is it Louise nerding at this point? It's not Louise Redknapp. No. Here's a top
1: stat for you. you love this. Go on. She had more solo top 20 hits after she left Eternal than Eternal had. I know. (laughs) And and, and again, that, that was the kind of breakaway that probably shouldn't have worked, but did. But as I said before, Eternal, prior to the Spice Girls coming along, were the biggest girl band in yeah. Britain. They'd sold one and a half million copies of their, of their first album.
0: Big number five hit. I don't know if it was the biggest hit, but it's probably the most memorable. I would. I wouldn't. Uh, uh, her
1: awful cover of "Stuck in the Middle with You" slightly uh, bigger. I
0: think uh, I got to uh, number four. I think. There was quite a lot of cover versions. You could see them all scratching their heads, going, yeah. "So we do the Average White Band?" You know, radio, I know. Lo-
1: radio loved cover versions. of I know. Familiar. It's I the know. equivalent of John Lewis right now. <laughs> yeah, the same thing. It is. You know, it's kind of radio going okay, we need something that's current and contemporary, uh, but is a throwback to the past. Yeah, And it's advertisers going, okay, we need something that's current and contemporary and a bit wistful, yeah. uh, but it's a throwback to the past.
0: Absolute banger alert next. Um, what a
1: record. I can't explain why Return of the Mack is still such a brilliant song. Top three hit in America. Yeah. Number one here, an astonishing record. It's sort of grown more over the last sort of 25 years. Now it's a, it's an absolute, again, you played at a party for a bunch of 20 somethings, 30 somethings, yeah. even 40 somethings. It's a banger. It's an absolute banger. Great I think, record. I think
0: because it grabs you straight away. I think, you know, it's, that, that, it's a
1: brilliant intro, isn't it? That <laughs> rhythm track is
0: fabulous. Yeah. It's straight in. and yeah. it's clean and it's sharp and. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly right.
1: Immaculate production. Yes, yeah,
0: sitting next to that is California Love. West Coast hip hop here. California Love's gone on to have a life all of its own, anyway, because it's such a great track.
1: It is, yeah. And you've got, I mean, you've got two kind of icons there. You know, mm. Tupac obviously when he was still alive, and Dr. Dre. I mean, of course, you know, a, a mogul these days. Yeah. Um, so those two, those two together. But again, it's a, a classic song, and again, it's that instant great intro. You know, the the vocal. Mm. For your
0: love, and then... You always look at these albums And say right Which of these tracks 20 odd years later Still stand the test of time Across mm. generations You wouldn't it... have thought At the time it would be this No it wouldn't You know you'd be looking across Maybe some of those more Established acts on CD2 And saying, oh well obviously They're going to be But actually This track by Tupac and Dr. Dre Still any generation From teens right up yeah. Would say absolute banger It's
1: an iconic yeah, It is completely iconic Brilliant record
0: do you want to say <laughs> not,
1: not so much I was going to say Not so much want, track 15 Which follows it though No disrespect
0: to track 15 and 16 But there's not much I've got written down For Pato Banton Grooving And real-to-real okay, well guys it's, it's, it's a cover It's,
1: it's a cover, cover. Yep. Is The old Young Rascals song, Young Rascals, yeah mm-hmm. Which was a great record Pato obviously had been What, a couple of years earlier He'd been number one With uh, Baby Come Back Which again was another cover Yeah So this is, this is just pretty much A straight 90s uh, Kind of cover it's, Of a song that was a hit 25 years before that you know, It's so
0: serviceable Again But nice.
1: well, what you were saying Before about it being It fits in very nicely In the whole summer vibe of Yeah That's on that second half Of the disc basically
0: Yeah real to real, Jazz it up yeah, Top mm-hmm. ten hit
1: Got to what Number seven or something I think it was Ah oh,
0: baffling Yeah I know Eric Murillo Had obviously had the big I like to move it Which was yep. still Still here today I had to go back And listen to this It didn't jump out the track no, listing I have to see um, And that is the, the Bob Stanley Beauty of the time capsule Some tracks are there Some tracks aren't And then have got Maxi Priest. And Shaggy together yeah. That girl
1: that, This song samples Green Onions Booker T and the MG. Yeah yeah. I, and, I, and again When I went back And listened to the uh, to, to the CD last night I was kind of like I'd completely forgotten that song But a top 15 hit As I say The, the criteria for Ashley Maxine yeah. Priest obviously Had been a big actor For Virgin mm. uh, Shaggy obviously Was still red hot At that particular point in time So yeah So if you can imagine If you've never heard this before Imagine Green Onions Booker T and the MG, With a new rap Over the top of it Not as bad as you might think Actually It's nope. quite, quite a big
0: <laughs> worth worth the revisit. Track eighteen. If you say to the listeners of this podcast, it's the Macarena, people Yay! go hooray! It's one of the biggest hits I of all time. Del-
1: Mar What? Still Mar- Lost I know. Del Mar Not Lost Del Rio?
0: Yeah Tell Where the story
1: So Macarena Lost Del Rio Number two on the chart That the album The week that the album came out Wannabe yeah, Spice yeah. Girls Number one Robbie Williams We've talked about Number three Stuck in the middle there Macarena Lost Del Rio Ashley Abraham Confessed to me a few years ago They couldn't license The original Oh they no They simply couldn't license it So what do you do When the biggest song Of the summer Is so obviously This Macarena thing That's been around For four or five weeks there's another version that we could get. So that's what they did. They licensed this version, which uh, weirdly uh, was a big hit in France, mm. was a big hit in Canada, which is where it originated from. From what I can gather, uh, I mean, I, the, the story on this is quite vague, but you probably know more about this than I do. This version was then the one that the Bayside boys, who remixed the version that became the hit 96 version, Based that remix on Yes Is
0: that right? Yeah It's incredible
1: That's an that's incredible a, story in itself Amazing It is, it is. Amazing. So,
0: so basically To put that back in a 70s analogy This is the Top of the Pops covers album yes. Version Influencing what T-Rex then do To <laughs> remix 20th Century Boy <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's brilliant It's it is just fabulous
0: <laughs> As the chart figures say Lost El Mar, 43 Lost yes. El Rio, Number two, US million seller, VH1 voted the song The Greatest One-Hit Wonder of All Time in 2002. Now, pop quiz question. Now got another track wrong oh. on Now 47. It was a similar story, two yeah. versions of the same song. They got the wrong one. It might have been licensing. Do you know what it was?
1: So uh, 47, what year was that? Tell me what that was. Uh, that would no, be. Been... Don't tell me what the track was. Just tell me what the year was. 2000. That. 2000. They got the wrong version of a song. Don't tell me. I'm just going to have to look. I'm going to get the track listing up and then see if I can guess what it was. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, you <laughs> got it. Um, it would be exactly the same reason I would suspect uh, yeah. this would be Ashley not being able to get Who Let The Dogs Out.
0: It is one of those rare... And actually, when you hear the story, it makes sense. Um, yeah. And it's that. But then again, I suppose at that point, could you have predicted that the Lost a Real version would be such a big hit?
1: No. I mean, could you imagine it was, you know, this this the fact that people still talk and reference you know we had somebody was it Greg Wise on Strictly a few months ago doing yeah. the Macarena but yes I mean it's still you know you put that song at a party and again it's the intro isn't it I know what this is I'm gonna head for the dance floor
0: uh, Right so we're on a run out of the album First CD with some big dance tracks um yeah. with actually quite a lot of stories behind them as well. So first up we've got Umboza and Sunshine. This was the second Umboza track after Cry India, which had sampled. Uh oh
1: Cry India, the... oh tell me, can't that, think
0: that, that sampled all night long by Lionel Richie.
1: Oh, of course it did. Yes. There's the right. tambalitas set the morning. Right. So that yeah.
0: that was that that was proper banger. This yeah. one samples.
1: Uh, Bamboléo by the, the by the Gypsy Kings, Kings. Again, and another w- banger.
0: <laughs> yeah, and again, I'd forgotten this went back, and it works. It is one of those big mid nineties crossover dance tracks, and it works yeah. really well.
1: It's one of those ones. I mean, I I forget about a lot of these tracks until I sort of go back and listen to them, as you say on the, on the on the uh, podcast and on the. On CD and stuff, and you're right. When you go back and listen to Umboza Sunshine," which hopefully you'll do after this, um, <laughs> then uh, you'll realise that you know what? Actually, I could I could slide that into a DJ at a at a, at a cheesy fortieth or fiftieth yeah. party set now, and people would think I was playing "Bambaleo" by the Gypsy yeah, Kings but in a pumped it. up styly without realising this was a big hit song.
0: Quick shout out to Umbosa who are actually two. DJs from Glasgow It's Michael Kilke Michael Kilke and Stuart Crichton Who um, as someone who knocked about Glasgow in his clubbing days uh, Used to run some fantastic club nights out of the tunnel And the sub club in Glasgow But also Stuart Crichton went on to then produce and work Successful writing producing career for the likes of Kylie Pet Shop Boys, Sugar Babes
1: Did he really? Wow
0: Yeah so chart fact fans If you look up Stuart Crichton Quite a bit of a legacy after that So next to that we've got Wink or Josh Wink Depending Josh Wink, on which yeah. on which Day of the week it is um, Higher State of Consciousness I actually had been on A previous Now As well
1: Oh I did I didn't realise that I Yeah, th- yeah. The, the, the thing about uh, This record is Again it's one of those 90s absolute Kind of club classics Isn't mm. it it's Just a, a huge record You're right It had just been on The Now now 32 Just kind of like so, Six months earlier Eight months earlier which, which is quite astonishing Really for it to be you know, well, yeah.
0: And actually yeah A top 10 on both occasions But with different versions As yes. well So yeah. and it was that Again that fast moving Pace of club culture
1: Well you were talking about Living Joy and stuff before I mean let's not forget Dreamer First oh, time yeah. around Had been a, a top 30 hit And then what Four or five months later yeah. It's a number one comes straight in at number one yeah.
0: The one that always gets me That you hear so often On the radio Is Alison Limerick Where Love Lives I don't know how many times It was released But but it's almost like you know which year are we in now? Is this the ninety five version of this? Yeah, that's 90, the thing. I can the... I
1: can never remember which is the right version. I I, I just don't know. To, to be playing <laughs> at that particular point, you know, if you if you're doing the hits of nineteen ninety five. Or you're doing the hits from or which, which version should you be playing? Which one was the right version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: there'll be somebody out there that'll tell you it's the wrong one. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> and God bless them for doing it.
0: Oh, cheers. <laughs> I know. Finish up. We've got Todd Terry. This has got some proper disco royalty on it. Martha Wash. Yeah. Jocelyn Brown. Martha Wash from Weather Girls. Weather Girls. Yep. Yeah. Um, that and uh, Jocelyn Brown, which is obviously again
1: I have a I have a great Jocelyn Brown <laughs> story. Oh, tell me a
0: great Jocelyn <laughs> oh, Brown story. Man.
1: Go on to YouTube and do a search on uh, Jocelyn Brown, from Hull to King's Cross. Okay, (laughs) uh, this is just bizarre. Hull Trains, who are a local train operator who run the service uh, from Hull down to King's Cross Direct, needed an advertising campaign a few years ago. So they somehow managed to convince Jocelyn Brown to re-sing Patsy Gallant's from LA to New York, And changed the lyrics from from Hull to King's Cross and King's Cross back to Hull. From Hull to King's Cross, from King's Cross back to Hull. From King's Cross. It came out as a record. It made the top five on the Indie Singles chart a few years ago. Uh, And um, someone's put a montage video to it of all these funny images from Hull. uh, And it's on YouTube. Have a look at it. it, You can't quite believe that somebody, as you say, of kind of that sort of stature in terms of uh, her voice and in that kind of, you know, uh, her, her career. It's a gem. It's on YouTube. It really came out as a single. It's not fake. It's genuine. It's hilarious. That's
0: actually made
1: my day. (laughs) Amazing. Oh my goodness! (laughs) And of course,
0: this this is Jocelyn Brown, who was like the cornerstone vocalist of Salsoul Records. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, sung on the original version, the the original music version of uh, of Keep On Jumping. Yes, indeed. Um, Let's. (laughs) uh, Anyway, as we were
1: (laughs) back to track twenty-two. It's a classic. He wrote this song because there was a, a, a spate of accidents that were happening at the time of people that were driving back from clubs. He needed to have something that club DJs could play at the end of the night that was still a great dance record, but effectively would kind of help people calm down. The melody on "Children" by Robert Miles is just so beautiful. The production's fantastic. It's a it's a brilliant record. I mean, it was in the chart for months, wasn't it? It was. It was
0: actually one of the biggest hits of the year. I mean, it was the ninth yeah. best-selling song. Of 1996 Yeah uh, yeah. Official chart company I mean it should have been A number one Let's be Mm -hmm. honest Chart wise It It was number two Behind Oasis And take that um, So you had Don't go back in anger And then How deep is your love Now they both went in At number one Yes (laughs) Yes <laughs> Basically just stopped Robert Miles From getting there You could argue It's probably outlasted Both of them I mean it's yeah, just
1: Completely uh, Two and a half months In the top ten By the look of it as well yeah, Just I mean,
0: incredible It's one of those Universal songs though It translates barriers But it's, yeah It's
1: a rare beast of a record That it's impossible to dislike I mean how can you Dislike that song It's a beautiful piece of music And the, the story behind it Tremendous as well of course. Yeah That's Definitely
0: great. So let's go to compact disc 2, George Michael, Jesus to a child.
1: Yeah. Number one months earlier though. I mean, this has been number yeah. one actually, January. I mean, it?
0: chronologically, um, this should have been fast love.
1: George's album had been number one uh, a mm. few times sort of, during the year, the older album. Beautiful song. Um, I think one of his kind of underrated, uh, one of his underrated gems really. It goes back to that now
0: tradition as well of having a big song start aside. Yeah, really important.
1: I mean, you yeah. know, again, I remember Ashley and various other compilers always telling me that, you know, when people are in a supermarket, which they're not anymore buying CDs, <laughs> but it used to be, um, what do you do? You look at the first five songs on disc one, your eye would then glance to the last five songs on disc two, but your eye would sort of gravitate towards the start of the second mm-hmm. disc again. If you If you run this entire sequence of 42 songs back to back, Chooses to your Child would effectively follow off the back of Children by Robert Miles which again flows really, really well. It does, it it does. And that was the beauty of of, of how these albums were sequenced. George Michael, Jesus to a Child is followed by Wonderwall by Oasis, which you wouldn't think would fit. When you hear the two of them played back to back, George ends and then Wonderwall comes in with a... It works,
0: yeah. We've got a run here, but we've, we've got these three, and again, in inverted commas, Britpop-related mm. artists. We've got mm. Oasis, Blue Tones, and Paul Weller. Actually, Edwin could quite easily have sequenced a whole run of indie-style tracks yeah. as a huge chunk, because there's more come up on this CD as well. There are,
1: kind of later on, yeah, but a very different kind of tone to them. Yeah. And I think that's why they've kind of split, if you like. So as you say, you've got Jesus Do a Child by George Michael, then you've got Wonderwall by Oasis, which had been a hit, of course, back yeah. in 95. Don't Look Back in Anger, which was the single after wonder wall mm, had already the previous now
0: yep. yeah i know <laughs> i was Winter... just saying
1: nebworth was happening yeah, that's that that's well.
0: exactly but, it you know nebworth yep. was happening and wonder wall had been missed in the sequencing of now previously
1: yeah it makes total sense and and again as i say it's fitting in between jesus to a child and wonder wall and then slight return by the blue tones radio loves those kind of songs and they're the ones that then kind of get played for decades and decades afterwards now we go back
0: to the charts of this week Paul Weller was a brand new entry at number Mm -hmm. five. You could see a gap. Here's a
1: Paul Weller chart fact for you. Go on then. No Paul Weller chart single, bar one, has ever spent more than four weeks in the top 40. Which my...
0: Right, is it a solo Paul Weller song?
1: Yes, that's what I'm saying, yes yeah, so oh, right, got Paul you, got Weller, you, got yeah. you, right. So aside from the jam, aside from the style, style council Only one Paul Weller top 40 song Has spent more than three weeks inside the top 40
0: uh, Right, okay, I'm going to go for the obvious one You do something to me That's
1: the one, yeah Oh, yeah, yes great. Well done Every ah. other Paul Weller song across his entire solo career Has never spent more than three weeks inside the top 40 And this one was only in there for two And
0: actually, that, that number five was his highest chart position
1: Yeah, which is astonishing. He has never had a song higher on the chart. The no.
0: peacock suit, which yeah, is you amazing. Would think,
1: well, you do something to me, must have been, or Wildwood uh, must have been, I know whatever. No. And
0: I went That's back and listened to it. It's a pretty okay, decent track. And it's I think competent weller, isn't it? It's, it's serviceable. <laughs> we then go to an American. And actually, do you know what? There's not been a huge American presence on this album to this In point. Fact, is there any
1: American? Oh, I guess kind of real to real uh American. Yeah, Martha Wash, Todd Terry Two pack,
0: but it's not, you know, there's not yeah. a lot though, is so there? You're right. There's it's not a lot which yeah. which which again kind of plays to that. Strength of the UK record industry at this point. I mean, it Correct. was it was a very very strong time. Let's group the three together and talk about them. We we'll have got Bon Jovi, Brian Adams, and Belinda Carlisle. It's like back to the eighties.
1: Yeah, well, well, Bon Jovi hadn't been on the Now album since Now Nine. I know, living a on, prayer. A prayer prayer, yeah. on a prayer. Yeah, Now album, which, was, which is which amazing. So why, hey God, sort of suddenly made it? Wow,
0: I know, the... I know. It was the first single not to reach the top ten since early ninety four, and it was the last time that we're going to grace the top ten until.
1: Uh, probably It's My Life I guess yeah Yeah. spot
0: on 2000 It's My Life which again is another now 47 one but again I needed to go and listen to this track it didn't jump out I I didn't
1: remember it at all it's kind of like oh okay yeah Yeah. it's um Functional, shall we say? Func- uh, yeah, and now, Functional and now,
0: bon Jovi. now that I've oh, there's a good compilation
1: of <laughs> <laughs> Functional
0: by Bon Jovi. Um, so Brian Adams was in the middle of a pretty good decade, actually. The only thing that looks good on me is you. You couldn't get away with a track like that, anymore, possibly
1: one of know. the worst titles of any song ever.
0: Um, but yeah, so yeah, it was, it was, yeah, Brian, you can start to hear the kind of poppier side of Brian Adams coming through on this, though.
1: I guess so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, his peak, his best song. I think we probably all agree on this is is his Mel C collaboration, "When You're Gone," which yeah. is which is great. This is sort of in the middle there. It's not "Run to You." It's more like "Can't Stop This Thing We Started." I guess you know, it kind of yeah. It's not particularly good. So we've got <laughs> in retrospect. It, you Feel a little bit with some of these acts, kind of, sort of at this period in their careers. It's kind of like Radio need a new Bon Jovi song to say we have a new Bon Jovi song, or Radio need yeah. a new Brian Adams song to say we have a new Brian Adams song. Because when you mix in with all these new acts that you're kind of proven and untested, well,
0: this is what I find about this CD mm. that actually the old guard, and it's, you know, it sounds terrible to say that because you know, well, still,
1: funny enough, Bon Jovi was still in the first half of their career. I it? know, <laughs> but yeah, but, I did feel like the old guard, but
0: they look old guard aside bands like Suede. And yes. dodgy and ocean okay. colour It looks, it's you know. It's a
1: different era, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Because, you know, we've got Blinda Carlisle here in Too Deep, which mm. actually is a pretty decent song. It is Um, one of her
1: better songs, actually. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, a big top ten hit. It's got one of those big Belinda choruses where there's fifteen Belindas
0: all singing at once. It works really well. And looking at the chart facts, it was a it was a first top ten since we want the same thing. And actually, second last one to date. uh, Always breaking my heart would would give her another top ten. Again, a really good song. Record
1: as well. Yeah, Yeah, you know,
0: so good radio
1: songs. Radio was really interesting at this point because you got. You know, we talked about Dodgy, we talked about Ocean Colour Scene, we talked about the Blue Tones, Oasis. Radio was still very, very much kind of safe. I think mm. the best way to describe it Radio One were pushing things a little bit obviously because Chris Evans was doing breakfast and, and the whole Britpop thing you know we'd kind of sort of gone through and you know Elastica were on daytime <laughs> uh, you know which is inconceivable <laughs> all that kind of thing but yes in terms of commercial radio which mm. obviously kind of was where I was working a lot of bosses still wanted those big names they still wanted the names that they knew from the late 80s and early 90s mm. that they knew would connect with a sort of 20 something audience and the record companies knew that so that's why they, they kind of you know the sound of, of a Belinda Carlisle record, or a Brian Adams record, or a Bon Jovi record, had not really moved on in sort yeah. of five or six years. They, they're still going for you know, okay, we need something that sounds big. It's got big production, uh, kind of bombastic, um, to kind of you know just counteract all of this all of this dance stuff that's around. Mm. Very interesting, obviously watching the, the, the 1991 Top of the Popses that have been on sort of before Christmas. That show kind of changed because they didn't want to really kind of embrace these non-entity dance acts, yeah, um, <clears throat> that didn't really have an act as it were. They'd stick a few dancers at the front, etc., etc. Radio in, in 1996 was still a bit like that. It was kind of yeah. like. We can't be playing Higher State of Consciousness by Josh Wink. We can't be playing California Love by Dr. Dre. And they didn't. They didn't. Commercial radio didn't touch those. Belinda Carlisle, Brian Adams, Bon Jovi, much safer bet. Yeah. So that's why these songs were there. And that's why they were big top 10 hits, really. Next, we have
0: got Friend of Now, Graham McPherson. Ah, God bless. AKA Suggs and Cecilia.
1: always about Chris Eubank, isn't it? So if sorry. he doesn't know the story, Chris Eubank, uh, well, Top of the Pops used to have guest presenters at this point yeah. in time. Uh, Rick Blacksell was producing and he always wanted somebody there that was kind of like, you know, zeitgeisty. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the week that Chris Eubank presented Top of the Pops and he's there <laughs> introducing songs as well. And it's, uh, he does it in a very knowing way, though, I think. You know? I know. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. It's funny you talk about radio being quite safe because... This is probably you know we're watching Oh, this is a
1: perfect radio record, you know oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. ideal for what everyone was doing. This would cut through and this it would works. cut through radio one and radio two, oh, and yeah. commercial radio, because you've got a Simon Garfunkel song that everybody knows from 25 years earlier covered in a contemporary way by someone who's been a stalwart of the charts for what 15 years or more. Absolutely. Um, it, it couldn't fail and it was a top 5 hit. It yes. was just
0: you know and again this wonderful love for for reggae in this yeah. country as well and mad it it just ticked all the boxes. Absolutely yeah. perfect.
1: Do you know who had the biggest hit version of that song by the way? The Vamps. That's right. <laughs> Astonishing, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm just
0: gonna say there's been no edit in this podcast, folks, for me to go and check that up. No, well, he, he literally
1: he literally just knew that immediately off the top of his head. <laughs> it was uh, the fam. Scary God.
0: Who's the oh. biggest nerd, eh? <laughs> Okay, so we're back again to is it Pop? I don't know. Blur. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I guess
1: it is. Buddies. I mean, it was certainly kind of lumped in at that period. And interestingly, what you were saying about why was this not sequenced with Oasis, Wonderwall, and Slight Return by the Blue tones later on, it fits much better coming off the back of Cecilia because if you think about the tone of Charmless Man by Blur. It absolutely fits better with the sound of Cecilia by Suggs yeah. than it would do coming off the back of something like Slight Return or Wonderwall. So yeah. again, brilliant sequencing from Ashley. It only, is. You know.
0: By this point, we had all those indie compilations as well, yep. like you know Shine the Shine album, obviously. Right? yeah. Where actually, if you wanted non-stop indie, you could buy mm-hmm. it on a compilation album. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, there's more thoughtful sequencing
1: here. Coming back to what we said before, Chalmers' Man Number Five, Trash by Suede, top three, top five, I think it well, was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: this this was the big comeback for Suede. Yeah, was, this was The big reinvention
1: Coming up I, went platinum I mean that's, a that's awesome. what I was Coming awesome. up was a Platinum album I know uh, I loved Filmstar I think Filmstar On that album Is mm. just brilliant um, Trash was a good song Yeah Suede Were absolutely On the roll at that point Yeah
0: Well I mean There was five singles Off that coming up album Which were all yeah. brilliant All top ten singles I was, was going to say
1: And the amazing thing About the Blur album The Great Escape That's got Charmless mm. Man on That had more top ten hits on Than yeah. Hard Life Yeah what, what interestingly
0: Broke their run of Top ten singles Suede Was the even better She's in fashion, oh, <laughs> Amazingly. which yeah. is a fabulous, fabulous record. Again,
1: made... you know, what everyone forgets is you know, why was that not a top 10 hit as well? You forget that sometimes it gets to the point where it's like, well, I'm just going to buy the album, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, I'm not going to buy another single <laughs> unless you're, a, you're the fan, you know, the actual fan who needs absolutely everything. I know. Um, Joan Osborne, one of us. Radio staple still to this day I hear it all the time It's um, a a funny little song, really In retrospect, but a a huge record I mean, great, great, great And, And again, think about what was happening At that point in time So it's August 1996 The number one album is
0: Oh, I don't know, what was it?
1: Alanis Morissette oh, of, course, of course Of course Jacket yeah. Pill probably be Number one for two months During the summer of 96 yeah. So Joan Osborne Was kind of like She sort of came along And radio embraced this record at Around the time That Alanis Morissette Was getting established mm. With those big songs A lot of the kind of Female acoustic uh, You know We had Alicia's Attic That were big radio yeah, songs
0: Yeah
1: One of us by Joan Osborne Had that kind of Sort of feel to it But um, Yeah uh, it took on a, a, oh, it was a I think it was a Grammy, I
0: seem to remember. Yeah, me. it did, it did. When you have a hit of that size and magnitude, take a bow. I mean, it's yeah. it's absolutely brilliant. Only slightly Phoebe from Friends. Yes.
1: <laughs> no, I'd say very, actually. Very.
0: very. Crowded House and Instinct.
1: My favourite Crowded House song. Uh, do you know, and I was going to say... I love this song so much. I just think
0: it's brilliant. It's such an underrated song. You don't hear it very often. No, um, and I don't
1: know why. It's just... I mean, I think Neil Finn's vocal on this is stunning. I think the song itself is brilliant. It's so brilliantly underplayed. I got to meet Neil Finn about three or four years later. Parlophone Records uh, used to do this amazing annual event at a place called Billsley Manor. A huge uh, sort of sprawling uh, hotel now, I think it is, a mansion sort of hotel thing. But what they would do, they had this amazing uh, event that they would do every year. One particular year, two thousand. They invited Neil Finn from Crowded House. Uh, Kylie was there. Uh, Damon Albarn was there. All sorts. And they put on they put on like a, a casino room. And they but what they would also do is they would play you everything that they were going to plug you over the next sort of three months or whatever. So it was your know, first taste of you know hearing these things. We'd have a lovely dinner and everyone would get shit faced and we'd all go to the bar kind of that evening. Anyway, I got to meet Neil Finn and he is one of the nicest people I have ever met in the music industry. He's brilliant. And I, you know I said to him, I said, I'm a fan. Anyway, we were drunk in the bar kind of after the, the, the main event and Neil's got his acoustic guitar and uh, he said, uh, what should we sing? and I just went, uh, I'll tell you actually, something that had just been in the chart at that point in time uh, was Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way. So it must have been like late 99 or or, or early 2000. So there's me, me sat on the bar still, Neil Finn sat next to me with his acoustic guitar, singing, pissed up, I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Probably (laughs) one of the greatest highlights of my life still to this day. Oh, that's
0: fabulous. (laughs) I'm a
1: huge fan of Crowded House and Neil Finn generally. Instinct is just, if you've not heard it for a long time or it's not familiar to you, Mm. go back and listen to it. It's, Just phenomenal Great, great record
0: Next to that we've got The Lighthouse Family Ocean Drive
1: Again, one of those songs You forget just how big Lighthouse Family were I remember, like I say, I was at at Viking I remember seeing The Lighthouse Family At Hull Arena They walked on stage (laughs) Did this great set I remember Tundi And uh, Paul Getting to the encore And just before They they did uh, Lifted They went uh, Ladies and gentlemen Please stand For the National Anthem (laughs) And that's. I mean, that's <laughs> how Lifted was Lifted was huge at that oh, point no. in time
0: You know, the chart stats are unbelievable for, yeah. for this, I mean, Ocean Drive, the album Was six times platinum by the end of 1997 <laughs> That's you know, nuts, know, isn't it?
1: It's six cr- times platinum It's unbelievable what, 1 point, That's 1.8 million
0: 1.8 million in the UK alone 154 weeks on the chart I mean, is this the beginning of the next phase of pop though Coming through as well? You could argue here that The kind of Britpop thing is starting to kind of dry up slightly. People are starting to move off a wee bit. Acts like the Lighthouse family are starting to kind of look towards the end of the decade and how pop is going to be changing and I suppose consumed slightly differently as well.
1: Yeah, well, I think what happened was dance music was there and carried on as it always does. But Britpop kind of burnt itself out. You start, once you get into sort of 96, 97, Britpop changes. Britpop becomes the verve urban hymns. Mm. Britpop becomes Travis kind of towards the end of the decade. And subsequently, radio don't really kind of embrace it as mm. much. Yeah. Yes, they do with the verve, certainly, but also, you know, Princess Diana died, and everyone went, Well, that's the end yeah. of kind of sort of Britpop, you know, that's the The end of the cool Britannia sort of thing. And everybody can kind of moved on after that. So, you're right. I mean, in a way, people just they went safe again. That's kind of like how, as you say, how everything evolved as we get into kind of the, the rest of the um decade, really. Yeah,
0: okay. So, we're back with Tina Turner on Silent Wings. He sent enough little records, all right. Yeah, you? it was produced by Trevor Horn, so credit there. Sting's it was on there as well, I think. Sting's on there back vocals, and it was the setting single from the Wildest Dreams LP. Yeah. Functional It's functional. functional It's just functional <laughs> It is to be honest A familiar name Yeah So now next up to that Is a track I'd completely forgotten about And it's I though, really really enjoyed Everything yeah. about The Girl and Wrong
1: So Missing obviously Had been huge I mean on, on a global level At the end of 95 into 96 uh, A very good track How do you describe it? It's got It's got those elements of uh, missing in there But kind of yeah. Darker perhaps even I don't know
0: I think what makes A track like this stand out Is just the high quality Songwriting yeah. From Ben Watt And Tracy Thorne Because it's just Such If this song had existed In a previous Everything but the girl Version It would have been Maybe more acoustic But the sharpness Would still have been there The fact that it's produced By Todd Terry And it's given that mix doesn't actually mask the fact It's a brilliant song
1: No, it's very, very good And again, if you've not heard that Go, go and revisit Either on Spotify Or on, or on your original CD <laughs> Or on, oh, on the oh, original CD Or maybe even your vinyl album This was still available on vinyl This, this Now Yeah, album, it, was. it was the it second was. last album on vinyl, apparently Exactly so. And
0: if you fancy a copy Go into eBay and see the prices, folks Oh, how much? <laughs> oh, for any of the 30s Up to 35 You're talking yeah. hundreds If you can Really? I mean, Oh, yes, nonsense. And let's be honest, the sound quality is not great on there, folks. So you got
1: 35 quid for a new album in HMV, was a lot. Yeah, just keep going and try and buy some of these. Okay,
0: so we've got a wonderful pairing here OMC. An omd
1: and it was a deliberate thing ashley told me once yeah <laughs> an absolutely cynical ploy to get those two shoehorned together <laughs> omc how bizarre followed by omd walking on the milky way how bizarre is a funny little record isn't it i mean that's, oh, it is like, the biggest selling song from new zealand of all time
0: see i love a chart fact like that that's just brilliant <laughs> oh, that's fantastic and, um,
1: it was all about his um the, uh, what, Altara, Millionaire's, millionaire's Club. Club Atara is a really Kind of poor Deprived area Of New Zealand So the Atara Millionaire's Club Was kind of like A joke almost yeah. You know what I mean? In other words there would, there would never Be any millionaires That would ever Come from Atara But he became A millionaire This guy yeah. You know Paul yeah. uh, Fumano Lawrence or something Wasn't
0: it And it's got a lovely Summer vibe to it
1: OMC followed by OMD Brilliant But Walking yeah. on the Milky Way Is actually quite a decent Little song in retrospect Isn't it
0: So this was Your Andy McCluskey Kind of solo version of it uh, mm-hmm. Well, Paul Hunt was on a break.
1: (laughs) Yes, indeed, yeah. And wasn't there a story about when Paul saw him doing seven Selling on the Seven Seas on top of the property and his head in the hands and just went, oh God, no. I know. Um, So he wasn't particularly happy with, with what Andy was doing at this point. No,
0: I mean, this is a great song. I really enjoyed hearing it again. And I think looking back on kind of some of the stats, Andy McCluskey got Quite annoyed At the chart stats For this Because it didn't do Particularly well was, Well mm. actually Number 17 Which is pretty decent going um, But it yeah. works On a lot of levels Because I actually listen back to it You can hear that Indie sound to it I mean it is You know You could imagine Oasis singing this
1: Yeah oh, completely It's yeah, got yeah.
0: that Kind of anthemic sound to it It's got that Lovely kind of Classical feel to it That you know Andy McCluskey Throws in quite often as yeah, well yeah, You yeah. can imagine The frustration um, It was it was quoted Actually back in 2001 Saying that this basically He abandoned after this um, mm. you know because he thought well if that's the best I can do and that's how it's being received I need to go and do something else and he did he did Atomic Kitten Atomic so- Kitten
1: I'll <laughs> find, I will until I find three Scouse girls that I can uh, throw these pop songs at yeah. So
0: so thanks for that record buying public if, if you'd put Walking in the Milky Way at number one he may have continued but never mind yeah. um, <laughs> Again, chart fact fans, good one here The B-side is called Matthew Street Oh, which, okay which, uh, which is the home of the cavern, is that which right? Which is the home of the cavern or, or where Eric's Club was Where OMD first ah, got their first gig as well And it good. was co-written with Carl Bartos from Craftwork Oh, wow If you want a more 80s electro-pop thing going on yeah, there Yeah, that's
1: like circle, you know, because full circle, isn't it? Really? Yeah, so right. much
0: in there Great, great song Space, <clears throat> Female of the Species
1: Brilliant And still, to this day, I love that song so much I mean, it's been used... Obviously, it was kind of it was in the first episode of Cold Feet, which I think a lot mm. of people kind of remember its use there. Yeah, I, I mean, what a record! One of the songs that when it comes along. You just think, I've not heard anything like this before This is absolutely brilliant And Space had a, a load of hits This was not one of their biggest hits Their biggest no. hit, Avenging Angels, I believe uh, But this uh, didn't even make the top 10 But it's the it's the one song that you still hear On 90s radio stations and mm. your virgins And all that kind of thing today Again, bunch of scousers though So following on nicely from OMD it And following, so. on nice, uh, following in between the, the song is uh, next after and, to,
0: and to cast and walk away as well yeah. who... Now what do you think
1: of when you think of walk away by cast? played on a, on a montage when we got kicked out of um was it when we when we kicked out in 96 or was it we kicked out in 98 one of the big ah,
0: four- I think it was 98 actually that yeah, seems was, to be it
1: was played as the as the closing montage when everyone was kind of in tears oh. we got, as we got to this, Was it not 96? Was it not when we got to the semifinals, maybe? It may and then, have
0: been 96, And then they actually. played
1: this, and then that record was kind of like, that's all you associate that song with now. But yeah, the cast were enormous. I read a stat recently that was uh, something along the lines of that their debut album was the fastest-selling British debut album by a guitar act that decade or something you think that can't be right surely or it was or Polydor's biggest selling album of, of the last 10 years or something like that casts were amazing I mean John obviously had been in the Lars yeah. Uh, John Power and uh, There She Goes you think of must have been a number one record or a top five hit Number 13, I think, was there, know, there she goes. So then Cast come along, his sort of spin-off band Seven, eight, nine, top ten hits
0: And it's outlasted a lot of those Britpop numbers
1: It really has, I can't think of the last time I heard it though No Which is a shame, because it's lovely it's really no. nice.
0: And let's finish off CD2 with Boyzone
1: Coming home now <laughs> Yeah, was this, I, you know, I barely remember this Was this a no, big hit? No,
0: this got to number four, which must have caused panic <laughs> Right. Okay. And the record company. They hadn't had the first number one yet. The first number one was coming, which was words. Uh, that would have
1: been words, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, but only number four. Up to this point, they'd been kind of in and around the charts. But uh yeah, sixteen top tens between December ninety-four and December ninety nine. So not so not, basically
1: everything they released before they split was a top ten hit. Absolutely. That's nuts. I mean, that's, yep. That's, yep. that's quite a strike rate, isn't it?
0: Well, if you can take that with the first track of CD1, Spice Girls, you know, yep. between them, that's a lot of chart success, to be mm-hmm. honest, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so coming home now, it's not, it's not very memorable. It's functional, isn't it? It's, well, it's, <laughs> it, it certainly functionally finishes off the CD um, because it's that kind of, well, yeah, that's definitely the end of that. Probably the lights on and
1: get the Hoover
0: out. The party's over, kids. <laughs> that's it. Sorry. Sorry, the bar's closed. If you could now move out, please. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of Now 34.
1: Well, that was quite a journey, wasn't it? (laughs) It
0: was, it was. What would have been the, the standout tracks then? What would be the standout tracks now?
1: Well, the standout tracks then would probably be the songs that were in the chart i guess so you're talking yeah. about wanna be you're talking about mysterious girl yeah i mean th- those those would be the big ones obviously which kind of kick off the first disc i think the standout tracks now would be wonderwall i would say probably uh, born slippy would be a standout track as well i mean we touched on Tupac and Dr Dre California love but certainly return of the max i mean if you're talking about the three songs that will still get played now that will still have any kind of sort of impact uh, and take you right back to that period, late 95, early 96. Wonderwall, born Slippy, return to the Mac, wannabe. You're there, really. I mean, that's, that's it, isn't it? What about Missing Tracks? Well, this is this is interesting because obviously we've we touched on the fact that, you know, Virgin EMI, it was a Virgin EMI polygram marketing exercise. That's what now brand was. So when Ashley and the team were putting this album together, they would be able to get all of that stuff very, very easily. And then it's like, okay, what else do we need to get that's in the charts or going to be in the charts when this album comes out to make it the definitive album of that period? Almost like a kind of a reference, taking you back, as we've done over the last, you know, however long, uh, to... August 1996, Killing Me Softly by the Fugees was in the top 10, not on the album. The Crossroads, "Bone Thugs and Harmony, Nas If I Rule the World. So basically anything that was kind of Sony and earlier in the, uh, the uh, summer, you'd had Three Lions, which again was a, it was a Sony song. Um, so anything that kind of came under that Sony umbrella was sort of almost off limits really. But yeah, it's the it's the big American acts and Three Lions uh, yeah. that are not on there. Uh, and they're the only things that are kind of sort of missing. And also uh, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette was yeah. the biggest album at that point in time. Canadian act, but again, going through an American label, coming through yeah. uh, Maverick, wasn't it? Madonna's album. Maverick, label. yeah, yeah. yeah. Madonna, famously, not oh, yeah. happy with Now, A Now album stopped one of her albums getting to number one in 1989. So she then went right, i having nothing to do with Now. <laughs> so yeah, so there's no Alanis Morissette, even though she had the, the biggest album of the summer. But there's not much missing. I mean, you look at no. the top 20 from the week that that Now album came out, Spice Girls, Robbie, Paul Weller, Dodgy, OMC, Underworld, Peter Andre, Suede, Josh Wink, OMD, all in the top 20, and all on the album in the week that the album came out, which is amazing, really. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And looking back now then, how well does this stand as a time capsule of Summer 96?
1: As we've said, if you look at the the tracks that are absolutely kind of of that period, that take you right back there to what you were doing, as a time capsule, it's brilliant. What you said, I think earlier, it, kind of encapsulates what was going on in the chart. So you've got a little bit of that Uh, sort of uh, new sort of optimistic pop that's in there you've got a few of the old timers that are still radio are still you know desperate to cling on to in the (laughs) face of all of this new subversive dance and Brit pop that's around you've got all of the great kind of summer dance anthems that are on there as well from you know one-off artists or artists that had one or two uh, sort of tracks as a representation of what was going on in in pop and what was going on in music at that point in time it's great I can't believe it's fallen 25 years ago now really that's the Thing.
0: Lee, thank you so much for joining me here on the Back to Now podcast and uh, taking us back to the summer of 96 and now 34.
1: It's been a blast. It's, it's been, well, you know, I, I could talk forever about music. So uh, yeah, it's been an absolute joy. I can't believe that... Uh, like I say, this is 25 years ago because some of these songs are timeless, you know. Yeah. And, it, and, and as a time capsule, it works brilliantly. So yeah, it's it's taken me right back. Thank you so much. It's been hilarious.
0: It's been fabulous, and I am now <laughs> heading straight off to find Jocelyn Brown, and
1: <laughs> from Hull to Kings Cross. From Hull from King's to Kings Cross.
0: Cross. Yeah. <laughs> Lee, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.